sports opinions with a side of satire. We're the First and Tens, a weekly show delivering the spiciest opinions on football, life, and especially each other. And we can do that because we've been best friends for so long. I'm Amy. And I'm Jasmine. First and Tens will bring you sports from the female perspective while also injecting pop culture, fashion, and music into our daring dialogue. We're saucy, edgy, and most of all, we We think think we're we're funny funny AF. First and Tens, light on stats, heavy on sass. Follow us at firstintenspodcast.com. Hey there, Fangirl Nation. It's time for another episode of Fangirl Sports Network's Fangirl Playbook. I am your host, Tracy Sandler, joined as always by my co-host, Stephanie McCarroll. From Saquon Barkley to Nick Bosa, NFL Week 2 saw way too many terrible injuries. We talk it through while breaking down what's going right with the Seahawks, wrong with the Saints, and why the Cowboys may have too much talent. Then we talk about the NBA Conference Finals before heading to Dillon, Texas for all the cha-cha-cha-cha changes on Friday Night Lights. Don't forget to subscribe to us wherever you listen to podcasts. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Fangirl Sports Network. And with that, let's get to it. Steph, we have much to discuss this week. We have the NFL Week 2 behind us, a very difficult Week 2 that saw a myriad of terrible injuries, which you hate to see. We'll discuss that more in a minute. The NBA Conference Finals. When we last spoke, we were so sure the Clippers would pull it out, but they did not. So we have the Lakers and the Nuggets and the Heat and the Celtics. And then Friday Night Lights episode called Ch-Ch-Ch-Changes. And I don't know the rest of the words, but I know that part. Um, So you guys are welcome. You got me singing. (laughs) But let's start with NFL Week 2. As I said, a myriad of injuries. Giants star running back Saquon Barkley out for the season. 49ers defensive lineman Nick Bosa out for the season. Solomon Thomas out for the season. Jimmy Garoppolo has a high ankle sprain. We'll get into all of that in more detail. Christian McCaffrey out four to six weeks. And that's just honestly to name a few. There were so many injuries this week. Um, And it's a really tough part of the game to see. Um, I didn't like that part, Steph, as none of us do. It's – you know, it, there's a lot of talk and there's, it could be a few things, but a lot of people are concerned with the lack of preseason games and OTAs and the short, you know, mini camps that were canceled because of the COVID that perhaps these players aren't, you know, really, you know, ready. And then they go full blast. And, and I know a lot of people, you know, throw away the preseason games, but there's a purpose to those and they warm up slowly and it's, they don't count. So like there's, you know, if there's something that they, is tweaked, then they can kind of, you know, work on it or figure that out. So it, it's unfortunate because it's there's probably a lot going on with those injuries and why, but it's definitely an increase in injuries. And, you know, of course, everybody's concerned. And I know the 49ers had a ton of injuries and, and the Jets, to be honest, um, at MetLife. And so there's some talk about the, the turf there. So it's, it's just disappointing because everybody loves the football, but we hate the injuries. That's a hundred percent true. Just a few other notable injuries. Broncos quarterback, Drew Locke, Paris Campbell, David Montgomery, Cam Akers, Anthony Barr. It was a very, very tough. tough week. You brought up MetLife Stadium. So the 49ers played the Jets there on Sunday. The 49ers go back there this Sunday to play the Giants. 
players were talking about the turf after the game in uh, the postgame press conferences. Eric Armstead tweeted about it. DJ Jones tweeted about it. Uh, apparently, the 49ers have spoken to the NFL. Well, not apparently. The 49ers have spoken to the NFL about it. And apparently, they're looking into it. Uh, but it's problematic. I mean, you did have, I think, three Jets players who were injured. Um, as I mentioned before, Nick Bosa out for the season with an ACL tear. Solomon Thomas, the same. Jimmy Garoppolo with a high ankle sprain. He has a chance to play on Sunday. It's not as severe as it could have been, which is excellent news. Raheem Mostert with a sprained AC, I'm sorry, sprained MCL uh, or an MCL injury. And so he is most likely out this week. Uh, he also yeah. this week was going home to Cleveland uh, to be with his wife for the birth of their child. So hopefully he can still do that. Um, we had Tevin Coleman with a knee sprain who's out for several weeks. DJ Jones had an ankle injury. Dre Greenlaw had a thigh contusion. It was not good. It was no. definitely not good. And I do think the turf was to blame for much of it, if not all of it. I was, of course, not playing on the turf. But just listening <laughs> to what players said after the game, it sounds like it was not in a good way. So that is problematic, especially with them going back there to play on Sunday, I'm sure the Giants are concerned too, even though it is their stadium. Um, 49ers trip to the East Coast started out very difficultly. So they have, as we said, the Jets last week, the Giants this week. This week, they're staying in West Virginia at the Greenbrier. Uh, so they're not flying back and forth. But on Friday, this past Friday, the plane that they were supposed to take to the East Coast, somehow something crashed into it on the runway. So they got them a new plane, and so they had to move airports. They were super delayed. They didn't get to their hotel till 4 a.m. Saturday morning, so it's a good thing they left on Friday. Um, and then on Sunday, because they were going to the Greenbrier, they had got an MRI truck to come to the Greenbrier and take care of all these MRIs from all these injured players, and the MRI truck broke down. So they had to get help from the local hospital to do all of the MRIs that's where he had to go. So when we talked to Kyle Shanahan yesterday at like 12.30 Pacific time, um, a lot of it wasn't confirmed because they were waiting on the results of these MRIs. So they've had a very difficult several days. I mean, just really terrible, very 2020 several days, to be honest. Uh, but, you know, Nick Bosa, it's a, it's a bad injury. He is yeah. in so many ways one of the – if not the cornerstone of that defense. Um, Saquon Barkley for the Giants, I think, is their offense. And so terrible, terrible injury for them, and you hate to see it. And also so so much talent there and so much fun to watch. Uh, but I, I do think the 49ers are still a very competitive football team, especially okay. if the offensive guys can get healthy sooner than later. Of course, going into this game, D Ford had been out with neck spasms. Uh, it turns out now it's a back injury, so we're awaiting more information on what that is throughout the week. George Kittle had had a knee sprain and missed the game. I don't know how much they're going to rush him back for Sunday. Richard Sherman's on IR. Debo Samuel is on IR. So dealing with a lot of injuries. But what the 49ers do have, and Shanahan talked about this after the game and yesterday, what they do have is a lot of depth. And I still think they are a top team in the NFC. It, it's certainly going to be a lot more difficult to get back to the Super Bowl than it was before. I don't think it's impossible, but if of course, things yeah, are going to be a little more difficult. Yeah, 100%. I do think that everybody showed up. I mean, I think Armstead had a great game. I think um, Heider, who backs up Bosa on the edge, 
I think he played incredible, um, especially mm-hmm. against Mackay Becton. I don't know if you remember this, but he was my draft crush. Um, I do remember that. Yes, I do. Yeah, so he's like an amazing offensive lineman. And, you know, so, you know, he showed, you know, he, he didn't win every single matchup, but he did pretty well. I was like, okay, Hyder, like, I see you, you know, like, mm-hmm. and you can't ask for more than that. He held his own. And I was, I was, I was very impressed. I was like, wow, there's a, they have, they have some depth. They do. They do have some depth and it's going to be, I think, more on the offense this year than it was last year <laughs> to, to make it happen. It, you know, those guys are going to get, to get healthy as well. And we saw Garoppolo really gut it out in that first half. Uh, he got hurt pretty early and yeah. he just kept on going. Uh, but then, of course, they did the x-ray and they found it was a high ankle sprain. So his day was done and Nick Mullins came into the game. So there was that. So we'll see what happens there. You know, looking at the NFC, last night we saw the Saints lose to the Raiders on Monday Night Football. First and foremost, kudos to the Raiders. They played a great football game. They look good. They look good on offense. They look good on defense. Uh, We saw a lot of positives out of that team. So all kudos to them and all congratulations to them. But when we look at the Saints, who were really going into the season, you know, were considered and probably still are one of the top, top teams in the NFC, they beat the Bucs last week. But they did not look amazing, nor did Drew Brees. Last night, obviously, as I said, they lost the Raiders. Drew Brees does not look himself. They are without Michael Thomas, but I think we're seeing some chinks in that Saints armor. Yeah, for sure. I think on both sides of the ball, they they had problems. But, you know, Drew Brees is kind of known for putting the team on his shoulders, and he just wasn't able to do it. He was unable to even make, you know, regular throws yet alone those deep balls that he, you know, is kind of known for. So there was something, I don't know if there's something wrong with him or it's just, you know, that time in his uh, career, mm-hmm. but yeah, it was, um, you know, you could really see the difference without Thomas and on, on both sides of the ball, they couldn't stop the Raiders. I mean, the Raiders, you have to hand it to them. Their offense looked pretty good. And with uh, um, their tight end, uh, Darren Waller really like is showing out and it shows that, you know, he's really having, um, I know he's been in the league for five years, but you know, last season was his really premiere for most fans and he is just really rocking it out there. So he's uh, exciting to watch. I mean, he's probably one of the top three tight ends right now. So that creates problems. And I do like the, what, what Gruden's doing. I think, you know, he's an old school run you know, first, you know, and, uh, you know, get in your face type of, you know, football coach. And what he's doing is finally working. So it's kind of exciting to see it. It is working. And, you know, one thing we have to remember, and we certainly saw this in San Francisco, a new coach comes in, a new regime comes in. It does take some time to sure. to build and to to get your system in place and get your personnel and get the depth and get everybody on board. So I think we're seeing that with the Raiders. Uh, so, you know, big kudos to them and in their new fancy, shiny new stadium that no one got to be in there with them. But it still looked really, it looks like a very, very cool stadium. Sunday night football was quite the marquee matchup, but match up between the Seattle Seahawks and the New England Patriots. I want to talk about Cam Newton because I think Cam is back. I'm not the only one that thinks that. That was not groundbreaking analysis. Uh, <laughs> but Cam is back. The Seahawks, of course, look great. Uh, 
Russell Wilson doing Russell Wilson things. And in case anyone didn't hear this 100 times this week, Russell Wilson has never won the MVP award. So just FYI there in case you somehow missed that one. Uh, But he looked great. Jamal Adams looks every bit worth what they had to give up for him. And I really think what they have on that Seattle team is they have a player on each side of the ball that can change the game. So Russell Wilson, we know, is Russell Wilson, and the game is never over when he is under center. And then I think they have that same type of player with Jamal Adams on defense. Yeah, they look good. I mean, they look just really good. And, um, you know, you never count Russell Wilson out at all, ever. But he even looked better. than <laughs> It's mm-hmm. hard to believe he looked even better than I've seen him in the past. And, you know, I really appreciated that the, you know, the Seahawks don't have, you know, a standard, you know, regular um, pass rusher, you know, Jamal Adams is literally doing it all, but he's able to, he, I was, I was laughing because he was like all over that field and, you know, he can line up anywhere. And so it was just kind of crazy to see him. He reminded me of that X-Man that can like clone himself. <laughs> you know, uh-huh. like, Where did he come from? <laughs> He's everywhere, but he, he wasn't, he was everywhere on that last play, on the last play that decided the game. He was everywhere. It came down. It really did come down to the final seconds of the game. I found myself very nervous for a game that I didn't really have much of a fight in, even though I always like to see the Seahawks lose, but that's neither here nor there. But I was also was really rooting for Cam Newton. So we saw Cam Newton. He looked great on Sunday night. He looked awesome. He made that offense look awesome. Cam is back. I'm sure there's many a quarterback needy team that was watching that game thinking, why did we let him go to the Patriots of all places? Why do we give Cam Newton to Bill Belichick of all people? Um, But, you know, I think the Patriots are a contender and there was the feeling before the season that they weren't, but they looked good. They looked real good. Cam especially looked awesome. And I'm happy for him. I think he looked better. I mean, it was, you know, I know that there was some issues with his shoulder and everything, you know, obviously last season it looked bad, but he just looked so confident. He's poised. He is experienced. You know, he just, he just looked everything. And of course he can run. So it was just, um, I, you know, you, I, I can't stop cheering for Cam Newton. I mean, especially Mm -hmm. when they picked him up. I mean, I just think that that's, amazing and I'm very happy for him and happy for the Patriots too I mean everyone was even saying that they're tanking and you know I never think that any teams tank but like I I just think it was so funny how they're just they're really good and their defense is fantastic so I think they have a real shot I think they do too I think they have a real shot uh, obviously other teams that we've seen who looked very impressive impressive of course of the Ravens the Chiefs the Cardinals continue to impress. Um, yeah. I felt before the season they were truly a contender in that NFC West, and they continue to do that. Uh, so it's going to be an interesting football season, and we just have to hope really that we don't see another injury-filled weekend like we did this past weekend because that was really rough and and really tough to see. So we go in to week three. I can't believe it's already, how is it already going to be week three? I don't really know how that happens, but uh, we go into week three and this is going to be an interesting season. I think it's worth mentioning and I know we're very early in the season, but it is worth mentioning COVID has not been a factor. 
I guess you could make the argument kind of like you said in the beginning, perhaps COVID has been a factor in terms of preparation for the season. And is that a contribution to the injuries we saw? But in terms of players testing positive for COVID and having issues, it has not been a factor. I know we're only two weeks in, but I think it's worth at least mentioning. Yeah, I mean, I think it's – I know that the NFL was really – came down hard on all the teams. I know um, – Oh, yes, Seattle. the masks – the masks fine. The mask mm-hmm. fines were no joke. Yeah, they're giant. And, um, and I mean, but I think that's just part of, like, how serious they want to take it because if one team goes down with – or comes up with COVID or whatever – it could be disastrous and it's not oh, something yeah. you make up like you can baseball. So I think that, you know, erring on the side of caution is, has to happen and it may seem superfluous, you know, like, Oh, well they're out there tackling each other, but you never know where the exposure is going to come from. So it's just one more thing you can do, you know, it's just one more thing. So I kind of back the NFL on that. I think that, um, if you know, it's a dangerous, you know, virus. And I think you need to treat it with respect. So I'm for it. There's one other uh, game I want to mention, and that would be the Cowboys Falcons game. Uh, Very exciting final few minutes that onside kick was, was something to see all of that aside though, with the Cowboys, I mean, it was an exciting win and I think it masked a lot of the things that we saw earlier in the game. But once again, I hate to say this because you guys know how I feel about Dak, about Dak Prescott. I love Dak Prescott. But are the Cowboys a little bit overrated? Maybe Jason Garrett wasn't the answer, but is Mike McCarthy the answer? I mean, there were a lot of things in that game that, like I said, got masked by the final five minutes. And listen, the win is what's important, and they came back to win, and winning teams find a way to win. But kind of will be interesting to see as the season progresses. You know, that NFC East, once again – it's going to be a battle of who wants to lose it less, I guess. I don't know. Um, but, what, but what do you think? I'd like your opinion on kind of what you think is going on there in Dallas. I just, I feel like they're so talented on paper, but for some reason they can't put it together. And I can't really figure it out because I like Dak Prescott. I think he is, I mean, he threw for like, I don't know, 400 and something. I have to look. But I think he looks good. I I don't mm-hmm. I don't complain about Dak. I think that um, no, I don't think it's Dak. It, it, I don't know it, what it is, but I don't think it's Dak. It. But I, you know, I I think they're a little overrated. But on paper, they they should be winning all these games, you know. But they're not able to put it together. And I'm really big on the chemistry factor. I do think that that has like, you mm-hmm. know, a real like. You know, it has a real impact on teams. So um, with team sports, it, you know, you can put a bunch of, you know, stars together. But if it, that, you know, if they all want to be the star and nobody wants to do the other job, it can be problematic. And that's kind of what I'm seeing. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that, you know, certain players are kind of, you know, vying for the ball. And I get that. I, You know, I really get that. I mean, everybody wants it. But at the same time, you have to be willing to make a block. And I haven't seen that out of some of these players. One thing you will see from the championship teams is that they are willing to be unselfish and make blocks and not always be the playmaker. And I think that that really makes a difference for the championship teams. I mean, yeah, everybody likes to see the stars and make the star plays, but it's not necessarily what you do to win. And I think that that's a big difference. So 
you know, I'm calling chemistry on that. I'm calling, you know. <laughs> well, I think that is what it is. I mean, yeah. I think that is what it is. And there's, they need a coach for that team that's willing to say, like, I'm done with the BS and you're going to have to start making blocks and you're going to have to start doing this and this is how we're going to win games. And if you're not open to doing that, then I'll put someone else in there that will. I don't know that they have that coach. I don't know if in that organization they could even get that coach because I I think at the end of the day, Jerry Jones is the one making a lot of decisions. And, you know, I do think that's important. And you look at like, you look at a team like the 49ers and George Kittle who loves to block, you know, as much as he loves to catch the ball. And actually I think he loves blocking more. And there is a mentality there is, Everybody does their job. It's, you know, that old Patriots do your job, but everybody does their job and what they need to do to win the game. And I think you nailed it on chemistry because I was going to say, are they too talented? And what I mean by that, are there too many people on that team? Who, Yeah, too many egos and too many people. I mean, they have so much talent and sometimes it doesn't work. Like you said, if the chemistry is not there, it's not – and in football especially, you know, Baseball is a sport where you could just have a lot of high-priced talent at every position and the guys could hate each other, but they can make it work. It's a different kind of sport in that way. Um, And I'm not saying that the Cowboys hate each other by any means. I just mean it's – I just don't know where the chemistry is. I just think baseball is a a sport where you don't necessarily need that kind of chemistry. I think it's good to have. I think it's helpful, but you don't necessarily need it. Football Mm -hmm. is not that sport. So – Kind of be interesting to see how this plays out. It is Mike McCarthy's first year, but you know he should come in with that offense and the amount of talent on that team, and this team should be winning games, um, a lot of these games easily. And this team should win the NFC East with no problem. I mean, the Eagles do not look good. The Giants didn't really look good before, and now they've lost Saquon Barkley. They should totally be winning that division with no problem whatsoever. Um, so, you know, we'll see, we'll see how that plays out, but I was curious to your thoughts. It was a very, very exciting game. Uh, so there was, so there was that that before I'm like, why are you letting it become a live ball? (laughs) Yeah. What, what are you? I watched the highlights. I was in the press conferences. And so then I watched the highlights later and I was like, what, what is going on? Why did they do that? But they did, but they did because they're the Falcons. God bless them. But sometimes the Falcons are just going to Falcon. Uh, so I think that is what we saw there. Uh, so let's let's switch gears to the NBA, where unfortunately the Clippers clipped uh, and somehow you know blew their three one lead, which we've seen before. And I don't want to bring up any bad memories, but we've seen that before. In Thanks. you're welcome uh, in the NBA playoffs. But you know what a disappointment, and they're out of it, so I don't want to talk too much about them. But what a huge disappointment, and you know it'll be interesting to see if the Clippers end up with a new coach next year but this was a team that was built to win this was a team with oh, tremendous yeah. depth this is a team with arguably the currently the the player in the NBA who's i guess the best player in the NBA or at least the one who's been playing the best and uh they gave up a lot for Paul George and this team did not deliver they were beat by the Denver Nuggets who are now in the Western Conference Finals against the Lakers down to nothing now i know that the Nuggets have now come back from 3-1 twice <laughs> In this, right. in this postseason, which is incredible. I do think that the Cinderella story may end here. That shot by Anthony Davis the other night, I tweeted this. It won the game. To me, it may also have won the series 
it was just one of those like dagger yeah. shots that may have just done them in. I know that it, they're only up 2-0, but, but, but you know what I mean by that stuff? Yeah. I mean, def- definitely like he even shot like when he, he mouthed Kobe and it was just so like, oh, like so uh-huh. uh, I don't know, that was just great. You know, I said this before and I think that Denver is showing a lot of heart, but you know, you got AD and LeBron and, and a lot of good, you know, talent on the Lakers. There's just, it's, I think it's too much. It's just too yeah. much. Now I'm totally pulling for Denver. I, you know, have my uh, Laker, you know, angst. But of like, um, you know, you, you know, at the end of the day, I just think they're too talented, and I I feel bad that the Clippers didn't do what they needed to do. But I think that's a chemistry issue also, and I think that those mm-hmm. things matter. You can't just like you know, can, you know, have a can team and be like, okay, play basketball, you know, or whatever. It's like, you have to have that chemistry with each other. And if you don't, you know, you're, you're going to be in it, but you're not going to necessarily win games. I mean, I think that's a really big part of why, you know, Clippers just weren't successful or as successful as we thought they would be. I think you're a hundred percent sure. Well, I think you could say the Clippers fans into the Clippers, they were not successful. You know, they (laughs) did, they, they, are not in the Western Conference Finals. I think if they made it to the Western Conference Finals, played the Lakers and lost, like I consider, I think they could still consider it a successful season. I'm not saying they would have been happy about it, but you could still say, all right, essentially two of the best teams in the NBA, you have like the top players in the NBA playing each other. And this was, you know, someone had to win, someone had to lose, but this was not a successful season. It just no. was not for them. So We'll see if changes end up being made there. Uh, so then in the other, speaking of chemistry, in the other series, we have the Celtics in the heat. Apparently after uh, the Celtics, I want to say, is there their second loss? Because they're down 2-1, right, Steph? Right, 2-1. So they're, yeah, they're down 2 So after their second loss, there was a lot of yelling and screaming in their locker room, and there was a late-night meeting with the, with the coach and the top players on the team. And then they did come out and win the next game. But there we go again. Chemistry, Steph. Chemistry, chemistry. Yeah. They were about to when when they got Gordon Hayward back in the game, and he's not like one of those players that is going to come out and score, you know, fifty. You know, it's not that. He, but when he comes out, he makes everyone better. Like he passes in his passing game, like it was a whole nother team. And so they hadn't had him for the first two games. He comes out, and they're just like on fire. So it's um, I mean, I was glad to see that. Um, and I and I like the Heat, but it. They're, you know, they're just, they can't compete. And it's crazy because people are like, oh yeah, it can't be him because he's not a big time scorer, but he is noticed. I mean, and when you play the game and when you see him on the court, he makes everyone better. And I think there's a lot to be said for that. So do you think the Celtics take this series? I do. I think it's going to go to seven though. I would say like a Celtics Lakers old school matchup in the bubble is just, it's like amazing. I love it. It's pretty cool. I think that's uh, I, I, you know, just I think back into the back of the day, but at the same time, I'm like these, these teams don't seem worthy. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> they don't seem so, worthy to me. That's really funny. I, they don't. See, that's funny. <laughs> that's very funny. Well, I'm pulling for the Lakers, as you know, but know. you know, well, I'm going for anybody else. Except. Anybody but the Lakers. It's amazing that we're friends. Cause, well, we have the 49ers really that bring us together because in baseball and basketball, we are just on complete opposite ends. And like 
like frenemies is what we are yeah. when it comes anyway. to baseball and basketball. Um, respect each other's uh, teams. Exactly. <laughs> it's a hundred percent true. And I think we can, that's, that's why we're friends. Uh, the 49ers brought us together, but the Lakers and the Dodgers and the Giants and the Warriors will not tear us apart. So, there's that. <laughs> um, uh, so okay, you think Heat Celtics is going to go seven. Do you think the Lakers sweep the Nuggets? I'm hoping the Nuggets like can pull out one game, um, but it's it's entirely possible. I mean, I I don't know. Like I I'm hopeful that they can pull out one. Um, I I just. They never die, you know. They're at least this season. They're they're you know really coming up. So, I, I think they can pull out one. That would be my like guess, my educated guess. But um, I wouldn't be surprised if they if the Lakers sweep. I, like what I said last week, I'm like, oh, do we, I don't even want to talk about it because it just seems like it's so like easily accepted that the Lakers are going to win. So I don't know. I'll talk about it, but it just right. seems to me like obviously that they're going to win, and I, and. You know, they should. I mean, they're the better team. They are. They are the better team. Um, well, we'll see. Next week we'll have even more to talk about uh, on these conference. I mean, the Lakers, the Western Conference Finals could be done uh, this time next week. And the Eastern Conference Finals, depending how far it goes. Well, if it goes seven, I don't believe it will be done yet. They have uh, another game tomorrow. The Lakers play tonight from when we're recording this. So we'll see. So uh, another thing we'll talk about next week uh, more in depth is – the baseball playoffs start next week. So I think next week we'll do a little bit more of an MLB preview. So today we're going to go right to ch-ch-changes. <laughs> All right. I said I was only going to sing the one time, but you guys got to singing. You're very welcome. Uh, on Friday Night Lights. And we are seeing a number of changes in Dillon, Texas. So let's start with Waverly and Smash. Uh, Waverly has told Smash that she is, in fact, bipolar, and she was not in Africa. She was in Dallas with her aunt, uh, and I would say Smash is not handling it great. No. <laughs> I would say is – and, you know, in fairness, he's like a 16-year-old kid in Dillon, right. Texas, who's like, Wait, what? And, um, again, this show came out this season, was 2006, 2007, so it – Still feels like a little bit, you know, doesn't feel that long ago, but was a little bit of a different time, especially when it comes to mental health issues. But Smash is confused and he keeps referring to her as crazy, which yeah. I don't like, but I think is the point is this is a young, immature kid and this is a little beyond what he can handle. Yeah, definitely. And that's a hard issue. I think that's a hard issue for an adult. I think that's a hard issue for anybody, but like, you know, and I'm not saying he handles it right, but I mean, I just, you know, what are you supposed to do? I mean, it's just so heavy, you know? It is. But it's really I, heavy. I don't know. I, I, I felt bad. And he's like, you know, what am I supposed to do? And, you know, of course he likes her, but it's not like, you know, that's when you, your family, I guess, you know, I'd be like, okay, call your dad. I don't know. I right. wouldn't I feel the same way. I just totally would. No, it's a, t it's, it's a definitely, it's a, it's a tough situation. For sure. Uh, so they're dealing with that. Uh, Jason Street is not going to be going to Beijing with the quad rugby team. Uh, and that is upsetting to him. And he gets a ride back to Dylan with the tattoo artist. Uh, and they have a little makeout session um, connection, if you will, um, that he feels guilty about. And Lila has been trying to call him for two days. 
and yeah. she can't reach him. And of course, the first thing he says to her is nothing happened, but she didn't say anything happened. So now it's like guilt. Like, so well, yeah. we're seeing chinks, more <laughs> yeah. chinks in the relationship armor there between Lila and Jason. Yeah, for sure. And like, you can tell that he's emotionally divesting, I guess, um, from Lila. And he's even telling, you know, this new girl, Susie, about their problems, you know, about what she's done in the past. And so even Lila gives him an out and says, you know, do you want to be engaged to me? And he says, I don't know. And Mm -hmm. I think that that's something that, you know, is obviously problematic. And then, you know, he goes and gets beer and all that. But like, it just shows that things are changing. It's not how it was. No, it's not how it was. And that's really being driven home that what happened to Jason changed him physically, but also changed him mentally and emotionally. How could it not? Uh, and the things that he wants and the things that are priorities to him are changing. Uh, we have Buddy Garrity. I'm going to get to the Taylors last, just in case you thought I was missing over a very important storyline. Um, but you have uh, Buddy Garrity who uh, is trying desperately to get back with his wife and Lila a little bit helps him. And long story short, they come to the conclusion where Lila says he made one mistake and his mother, her mother tells her it is not one mistake that he's been unfaithful to her their entire marriage. And that changes everything. You know, that, that changes the whole dynamic that changes Lila's perspective. And you can see that the Garrities are not going to go back to being one big happy family. Yeah, I think it's tough because, I mean, I think everybody understands um, that mistakes can be made and big mistakes. And Lila made a big mistake, you know. Mm -hmm. But when you keep making the same mistake, are you really sorry? And so I I don't know. I kind of see this, you know, Pam, you know, just being done. I mean, there's you can only do it so many times to somebody, you know, and say sorry and not, you know, and reconcile, you know. So it was sad. I just felt like it was just really sad. And she had to yell it in front of, you know, and she felt she was taking sides. And so it's just very sad. And I think it just shows like how, um, even if he is contrite, he just, he, he pushed it way too hard too many times. And I think she was able to turn a blind eye, Pam, for a lot of years. And then Angela made it very public. And it was very embarrassing and she could no longer kind of turn a blind eye and and it was right in her face and she just couldn't do it anymore. So there's that. Uh, Tim Riggins is, you know, last week he met his next door neighbor who is probably in her 30s and she has a little boy and uh, the little boy super like really looks up to Tim and Tim fixed her rain gutters for her and she comes over and yells at him not to do that, that she could do it herself or she can ask somebody else to do it, but he shouldn't do that. He ends up picking up the little boy from school and the little boy is being bullied. And so Tim threatens the other kids who will probably (laughs) never hurt this kid ever again. Um, But then he teaches him how to fight and she doesn't like that. And Tim says like, you can't be with him every second of every day. uh, And he's got to learn to defend himself. So this leads to them inviting Tim over for back to the future and dinner and everybody falls asleep on the couch but Tim. And he uh, puts the little boy to bed. And then she wakes up and Tim tries to kiss her and is rebuffed. Uh, so that becomes a thing. But then later in the episode, she comes to see Tim and they hook up. 
And I think we can all see that this is probably not going to end awesome because he's 17 and she's in her 30s and she has a child. I'm just throwing that out there. Yeah, he should have never cleaned her gutters. <laughs> he should that and you know the moral of the story, ladies and gentlemen, is don't go cleaning rain gutters that aren't yours. Okay? That's what the moral of the story is for everyone. <laughs> don't clean the rain gutters. Um, but yeah, this one's and it's there was also for me like a ew factor. Like he's I know. in high school. Like, ew. I know. I don't, I don't know. I, I, I mean, I guess it happens. I just, um, you know, but to me, he's a child, you know, so I don't child. know. But I, you know, I, but she's lonely, I guess. I just, it's she's, just, yeah. But yeah, I was just like, yeah. But, Not, you know, he, he's, he's a baller, I guess, you know, Tim. He is, Tim. Tim is a baller. But this storyline, and it is something to keep an eye out for this storyline is going to have repercussions that go into next season and repercussions that go for a while. So keep an eye on the storyline because it does play out in ways that maybe you don't think it's going to, and it does end up having quite a few repercussions for Tim over the next, for a while. I mean, definitely into next season. So uh, that's something to keep in mind. Um, Okay. So we're going to go, Let's talk about Tammy and Tyra, and then I want to go with the Taylors generally. But uh, Tammy and Tyra have the meeting that we talked about last week. Uh, Tammy wants her really to focus on school. She thinks she sh- she can go to college, and she has like quite the regimen set up for her. And she calls Tyra's mom, Angela, in, who's already, as we know, not in a great mind space because she's super heartbroken still about Buddy Garrity, which is, again, something I'm having a lot of trouble understanding. But you know what? The heart wants what it wants, Steph. And so who am I to judge Angela Collette's love for Buddy Garrity? Um, So she's dealing with that. And she basically ends up being very threatened by Tammy and feels Mm -hmm. as if she's saying that their life isn't good enough, which it isn't what she's saying. She just sees more for Tyra. And Tyra comes to their to the Taylors for dinner, well, to be tutored and for dinner. And Angela comes and picks her up. And she's clearly just very threatened by the whole relationship. And it comes out later that she says, you know, we're not going to be able to afford it. You're not going to be able to do this. And Tyra, to her credit, you know, as a kid says, no, I want to try. I think I can do this. And I think I can have a different life than what we have here in Dillon. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, she kind of wants to break that Colette mode. I think mold, I think is what she said. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. It was like so great because she wants out of Dylan. She sees, she already, she has like what she could be right in front of her, you know, and she doesn't want to do that, you know, and it doesn't mean she doesn't love her mom, but she even knows she needs her mom's help. Yes. So it's like, she's, she's, I don't know if it's a jealousy that Tyra has with, Tammy, but, you know, she's not incredibly um, sophisticated. You know, she only has her GED or she didn't get past her GED or something like that. And she doesn't value homework. So the values are different. And it's like all about the man where Mm -hmm. Tyra's like, hey, it's not about this anymore. You know, this is I can do it. And so you see her growing you know, as a as an individual. But she also it loves her mom and is telling her. I need your help to do all these things that I want to do. I want to get out, but she knows she needs her mom. And I love that they drive to the dance and I love that they dance together because I think that's so important, you know, that even it, 
you know, as crazy as it is, it's a sweet moment because, you know, as dysfunctional as their life is, they still have each other. And I, I thought that was just really sweet and a good moment for both of them. And the dance stuff is referring to it's the father-daughter dance. And, right. you know, Tyra's father is not in the picture. So it is it is a really sweet moment. And at that same dance, we see a sweet moment between Coach Taylor and Julie. And so getting to that storyline, um, when we last talked about it, uh, Coach Taylor has been offered a job from TMU. And Julie is very upset about it because, of course, of Matt Saracen. And she talks about when she first moved to Dillon, she was devastated and didn't want to live there. And Dylan was everything she feared it would be. And then, of course, it changed. And, of course, that, that is very much because of Matt. And they try really hard to convince her how much she will love Austin because TMU, this uh, fictitious university, is based in Austin, Texas. And and he's saying uh, – Coach Taylor is saying to her, it's really arty and you love dance and there's so much dance. But she's really upset. And they go to this father-daughter dance and Julie doesn't want to go. But she says she'll go for a song. And they have a conversation before they go in. And he does say, you're 15 years old and you're not going to dictate what happens with this family. But they have a really good, important conversation. And at the end of the episode, he's told TMU he needs time and his family needs time to make the decision. Um, But it's uh, interesting. And Tammy says, you know, our little girl is in love. And she's changing. She's changing. A lot of changes. Yeah, and she's not the, the daughter, you know, the father's daughter anymore. You know, she's becoming her own woman and she loves Matt. And she, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, he's not it's, trying to be sensitive, but she's she's changing. She is Even changing. Though- Every there's everyone is changing in this episode, and hence the name. I believe we only have three or four left in the season, which is exciting. Uh, and then we'll move into next season, but I think we only have three or four left in this first season. Um, and I'm excited to keep talking about it because I have a, a general thought on the show, but I want to wait till the season finale to say it. So I've been keeping it to myself for many weeks now. So just that way. <laughs> uh, so next week we will have uh, episode 20, I believe is what we are on. So we will be discussing that. NFL week three. So we'll see how that plays out. I mean, the thing with the NFL, of course, was 16 games, like three weeks in, yeah. You know, in a two more weeks, we're a quarter of the way into the season. So um, it does go fast and I love it so much. But it does. I, I have to say the other night, I just I texted Chris Biederman after the Sunday night game and I said, I love football so much. <laughs> <laughs> he was like, do you? And I said so much. So, so much. And I do. I just love football. So I tweeted it, too. Like, I just love it so much. And so I'm happy for it to be. I'm happy to be back. And I know you love it, too, Steph. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, it's so good. It's so good. Um, so next week we'll talk about week three. We will preview the baseball playoffs. They are going to have a bubble of their own. The wild card will be in the, you know, the team with the better record stadium. And then we have the NLDS and NLCS will be in Houston and Arlington. And the ALCS and ALDS will be in LA and San Diego. The World Series will be played in Arlington. So they are going to have kind of a bubble situation of their own. And uh, interesting to see how that goes. This three-game wildcard series, and we can definitely talk more about it next week, but it uh, makes me real nervous. I just want to say that. Real, real nervous. Uh, I'm sure it makes the teams nervous too. But we will talk about that next week. 
And with that, uh, don't forget to subscribe to us wherever you listen to your podcasts. And don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Fangirl Sports Network. And Steph, I'll talk to you next week. All right. Bye. Bye.